Hey, welcome to Prefer Not To, a weekly sometime cocktail hour. Always cocktail hour. With your hosts, Josh and Kate. Every week, Kate and I sample a new beverage, talk a little bit about its history, decide whether or not we like it, Mm -hmm. and move on to talking about movies and culture and television and whatever else we feel like talking about. Yep. How are things, Kate? Good. That is, you are enthusiastic about it. I've been very punchy today for no, I don't know, just I'm in a good mood. Wow, it might be what we're drinking today. What are we drinking? (laughs) We're having white wine spritzers. I look forward to your regaling us with the storied history of the white wine spritzer. But as always, I must begin with our standard disclaimers. Right, of course. Standard disclaimer number one, Kate and I are not cocktail experts, and we will very likely do something untoward to your favorite beverage. We are sorry, we are learning, and we invite you to come on this journey of cocktail exploration with us. And if, in fact, we do do something horrible to a drink that you hold dear, please let us know. We'll give you the email address later in the show. So this way you have to stay keeping you in suspense. I guess, or something. Second of which, our second disclaimer, that is, alcoholism is a serious disease, not unlike melanoma or squamous cell carcinoma. If you had one of those, you'd go to a physician. And you should do that if you have alcoholism. So that sounds like various types of cancers. They are. They are both skin cancers. Oh. I picked those because summer is coming. And there's really no reason for anyone ever to sit out in the sun and bake. I say this is someone who got sunburned last week. Yeah. It is uniformly not smart to sit out and get a tan or burn in any degree. I will say that... um, In that vein, uh, do not use spray-on sunscreen, people, and it's too risky. No amount of sunscreen can prevent cancer. Well, right, but you should still use sunscreen when you're outside. That is true. It does not hurt. It does reduce the amount of UV that you have in. So if you are going out, seek shade and use... Wear hats. Wear hats. Use sunscreen, especially between the hours of 10 a.m. and 4 p.m., according to the Skin Cancer Society. Do not use spray-on sunscreen. God help you if you use spray-on sunscreen. Kate had a bad experience. Kate had a bad experience with spray-on sunscreen. No, but thousands of people die in this country from skin cancers every year, almost all of which are preventable in in some manner. And that's sad. That is. uh, What is the difference between the two different kinds that you mentioned? Well, there are a lot of different kinds. I just picked those two because those are... Two of the more common ones. Well, melanoma is much melanoma is less common, but also more fatal. Exactly. But, yeah, I knew that. But any kind of skin cancer can prove squamous cell carcinoma leads to a couple thousand deaths a year. I think my grandfather had that one. My father has had both basal and squamous cell tumors on his face because he spends lots of time out in the sun, such that it's it's pretty much a guarantee that if you spend a lot of time out in the sun, right? <laughs> you're no, I mean, you're going to have a skin cancer. It's uh. We sort of don't think about it because, you know, sun's like our big happy yellow friend up in the sky, but he is a big ball of deadly radiation mm-hmm. bearing down on you mm-hmm. at all times. Yeah. You and I were talking about tanning beds earlier. I mean, there's oh, no way God. that if, you know, I came to market with a product today that, I, that science had proven increased by up to 75% your chances of getting a potentially fatal cancer. It would you, be approved. There's no way. I mean, you know. But people willingly go in and sit in those things. I mean, it is yeah, it is equivalent to smoking in terms of exposing yourself to a cancer risk. Except I feel like it's worse than smoking because it, it's more volume. I don't know. That's probably well, no, not it's not worse than smoking accurate. in that the, the consequences of lung cancer, there's a lot narrower band of outcomes if mm-hmm. you get lung cancer right. <laughs> or right. other lung-related diseases. Yeah. Most skin cancers are easily treated. But I, but that does not mean that they are not fatal. It just means that our science is better on them. I wonder 
when did society switch from being, you know, like being pale used to be a thing. Like that mm-hmm. was the ideal beauty type. And then now it's all about like a healthy glow. Well, it comes and goes. I, yeah. I think I think golden brown and tan is sort of seen as déclassé now too, which I don't think in the late 80s Sun it would is what you're looking for. Well, I mean, I think I'm saying that the snooky look is not necessarily oh, yeah, I'm saying, regarded as healthy. I'm saying in beauty magazines, it's always like right. get that sun-kissed glow, which right. ladies, you can achieve with bronzer. You don't have to go out right. in the sun. Or just, you know, embracing your own or coloring. embrace your own inner beauty. Well, not even that. Just, you know, we all have a coloring and anything can look good if you work it the right way. Like me, for instance. And you don't I'm... have to expose yourself to deadly space rays. <laughs> in order. I mean, that's what they are. They are deadly. That's what they ought to call it. It's not It's not tanning. It's deadly space rays. Yeah. They should, they should do that. Yeah. No, I mean, the, I was reading up on this today, but the skin, American Skin Cancer Foundation, there is no part for tanning in a healthy lifestyle is explicitly what they say. So there is no reason ever to go out and get a tan. That makes sense. It just seems weird to me that we fixate. I was mentioning you like e-cigarettes, you know, yeah. which have both health problems and health benefits in the sense that they demonstrably Stop you from smoking. Well, right, they well, demonstrably encourage people to quit smoking. Right. Uh, but you know, clearly the health risk is less demonstrably serious than baking yourself in deadly space rays. <laughs> So well, on when, that, you, when you put it like that, yeah. So on that, let's move on to a recreation that is demonstrated to increase your risk of two completely different kind of cancers, stomach cancer and uh, esophageal cancer. Yes. Drinking. And uh, don't forget liver disease. Yes. So seriously, if you have a drinking problem, you should see a doctor. But tell us about, the, this is like the most anti-drinking booze podcast we've ever done, isn't it? Yeah, well, we're just keeping it real. Keeping it real. Ask Christopher Hitchens. They asked him at his grave. He said, you might go a little, just a little bit lighter on the drinks, a little bit lighter on the smoke. So that's all I'm saying. Maybe have one fewer drink and never smoke. Yeah, but, never. And I say this as someone who smoked for 10 years. It is... I still, still can't see it. It's oh, really? Like, yeah. I was still... a reporter. They all smoke. I just don't see you like sitting outside smoking. You would have if you'd seen me at 29. All right. I'm just, I just, I, it's, I don't It know. is the hardest thing that I have ever done is quitting smoking easily. Not, and I did it three times. Not passing kidney stones? No, because that's going to happen no matter what you do. <laughs> There's very little effort point. involved. There's very little effort involved You're on my end. You're kind of so long for the ride on that yeah, one. <laughs> the very painful ride. The very no. painful agony. I mean, I loved ride. smoking. I loved everything about it except for the feeling like I was going to die part. So, yeah. on that note, hey, white wine spritzer. Sorry, back to spritzers. Yeah, tell me about them. The white wine spritzer is part of a larger family of drinks known as spritzers, meaning that a spritzer is any drink that includes carbonated water or soda to give its material, its base material juice or booze or whatever you have, like kind of an extra fizziness. When it comes to wine spritzers, you can also add bitters, citrus juices, and various liqueurs to give it some more flavor. So citrus-based liqueurs are especially popular, as you can well imagine. Mm -hmm. Wine spritzers are, as one might imagine, wine mixed with carbonated water. You can use red, rosé, white. You just want to make it a cheap wine so that you're not ruining. Not ruining, but, you know, like... As always, there's just zero reason to mix a good wine with anything. But you discovered in the course of your research that was not always historically regarded as the case. Adding water to wine as an ancient practice actually dates back to ancient civilizations. I think we talked about this on the Sangria mm-hmm. podcast as well, where um, where you would decontaminate the water and make it safe for consumption by adding alcohol. Apparently, the ancient Greeks thought it was kind of uncivilized to drink wa- uh, wine that hadn't been halved mm-hmm. with water. On the other hand, they didn't have our modern methods of sealing wine up in a bottle. Yeah. And keeping it from oxidizing and turning into well, vinegar. Well, definitely keep it fresh. So I suspect that they were dealing with 
mostly vinegar, you know, which is well, why they love their salads. Yeah, well, in Greece, of course. That's where. Oh my, I was gonna make a Caesar salad joke, but that was Rome. Damn it. <laughs> Dude, no, you, I think you're. I think you mean uh, the uh, the Agamemnon salad. It was delicious. Yeah, we and then war over that. yeah, and then every once in a while, I was gonna make a joke about Agamemnon about him sacrificing his daughter to the the winds before they could sail for Troy, and then I just couldn't step up your game. What was his wife's name? Clytemnestra. 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 Anyway, Which again sounds like a venereal disease. It does. So um, You've got that a cute little... Clytemnestra. Ew. Oh, cute, acute. Acute metastatic Clytemnestra. <laughs> I thought you were saying, like, you've got a cute little Clytemnestra there hey, on your body. That's, that's a cute little darling. Wart. You put a bow on that. Um, you can just accentuate that. Use some yeah. makeup. Everyone wants to see your, your darling little Clytemnestra. Use some bronzer on that shit. Um, so that little fact about the Greeks comes from A History of the World in Six Classes, which is a book by Tom Standage. I also want it for Christmas. So, Josh... <laughs> Uh, it seems, I mean, it just seems interesting. Wow, we're gearing up for Christmas fast. Yeah. Um, the name spritzer comes from the German verb spritzen, which mm. means to spray or to moisten. To spritz. Yeah, to spritz. This beverage is also closely related to the shandy, which is mm-hmm. when you take beer and add lemonade, soda, or apple juice to right. it. Right, I've had a lemon shandy before. Well, That's had, an English thing, isn't right. it? Right. Well, they, um, they're, you know... Um, Lining Kugel, that brand of beer, they make a summer shandy oh, like in the bottle, and it's very sickeningly sweet. Good for like two sips. Oh, that's right, because I was telling you about how much I wanted to get some lineys, and you had only had the, the summer lemon shandy. shandy. I think it's called the summer, summer shandy. shandy. Right, yeah. and I was telling you, no, 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 no. you got to get, get liney or liney red, because that was back when I lived in Chicago. That was, man, you could go in. If I told you this, you'd go into Jimmy's for, uh, for like five bucks. You get a, uh, a liney uh, and a, a brat. You have told me about that. Yeah. Wow, that was yeah. the best lunch ever. Um. So yeah, we should we should investigate that. But I'm just saying, it's a common kind of homemade garden mm-hmm. punch summertime the beverage. The shandy and also the spritzer, along with sangria. Mm-hmm. Which how is this? Different? Shandy and spritzer would be a great cop show. Because <laughs> he's Irish. Oh, I'm Liam Shandy. Oh, and then, right, and then you've Austrian. got Carl Spritzer. He's like the Interpol agent. Yeah. He's, he he doesn't understand no your American ways, right? He sticks to the rules. He's got a very stiff right. mustache. <laughs> I don't want to hear about Shandy and Spritzer again. Those guys are always in my business. I want them dealt with. I want them to have an accident. Commissioner. <laughs> Anyhow. So. We must take down the drug lords, Commissioner. <laughs> Shandy and Spritzer. Where did the process of so, putting carbonated stuff in wine come from? Uh, that is just kind of along the lines of sangria. It's something that happened with the invention of carbonated water mm-hmm. to make less palpable. When I said it wrong. That is a word that you said again. To make less than delicious wine mm-hmm. drinkable. Right. <laughs> it's the the predecessor to the uh, the wine cooler. Yeah, exactly. So I was, I was actually just about to get to that. Um, Tell me about wine coolers. A low alcohol con- The spritzer has low go- alcohol content because you are pretty consistently having your gas with. <laughs> I am pretty. I'm not going to lie. Jesus. I am as as someone who lives with me. You know, I am pretty consistently having my gas, but I don't think it's related to uh, either either my shandies or my spritzer. Well, you know, if I'm eating German food, so if spritzer comes over to visit, it might be. <laughs> but. Uh, I don't think my corned beef, although the cabbage, God knows cabbage is going to. Yeah, well, so it has a low alcohol content, which makes it popular um, for summer. It's also because it's basically 50% wine and 50% carbonated water. Mm -hmm. 
so it is also, even though it's low alcohol, it can sneak up on you, depending on how sweet that mm-hmm. you make it. Plus, you're drinking it like it's a refreshment beverage out on right. the porch while you're watching your friends play badminton and you're in some sort of Ibsen play or something. Right. So speaking of badminton, it's kind of a – it was very popular in the 70s and 80s for yuppies and hipsters and it has since fallen out of fashion because the wine spritzer gave rise to the wine cooler. Right. Which is seen as very, you know, yeah. trashy and feminine, like almost easy. Like, it's like a kid's drink. Yeah, basically. It's very sweet. It's a drink for people who can't legally drink. Well, that or they, they actually fought to be able to put that on the label. <laughs> the drink for people who can't legally drink, and for some reason they weren't allowed to do that. And for that reason, it is also seen as a very feminine beverage because you know ladies can't handle their liquor or whatever. Okay, they naturally gravitate towards Bacardi Ice or whatever. Which, by the way, is bullshit. You, you're the only person who's even come close to putting me in the ground. <laughs> so, um, another thing: what makes this different from sangria, Josh? <laughs> is it Passover? <laughs> What makes this beverage unlike all other <laughs> wine and water combination beverages? Well, it's just interesting because this is another one of those beverages that is very similar to one that we've already done. Well, I associate sangria with having fruit in the drink. Right, and it also you have to steep it. You know, right, I mean, and also pro- having some sort of uh, citrusy liqueur or liquor uh, in it, like a, you know, like a Cointreau or whatever. Which is not to say that you can't um, put fruit in your wine spritzer. In fact, there's mm-hmm. a lot of recipes out there like grapefruit, mint, cherry mm-hmm. spritzer, which is basically white wine, carbonated water, a little bit of grapefruit juice, and like just plop in some like cherries on top or something. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot that you can do with it. I think it's very refreshing. What do you think, Josh? It's tasty. I mean, I've, you know, of moderate resources as we are, we aren't always buying the best wine. Sometimes we buy wine in larger quantities than we are able to consume of an evening. <laughs> and it's nice to cut somewhat spoiled wine uh, with something bubbly. I will not lie and say that I have always consumed my wine in the manner designated by those who created it. I am a big fan of cocktails that are basically half booze, half bubbly stuff. Like, I'm a big fan of scotch and my soda. My wife is, too. And vodka soda. I don't like scotch and soda. I don't like cocktails. Like, I don't get, like, I, I have a problem with whiskey cocktails, broadly right, speaking, because yeah. it's like, why would you ruin good whiskey? You know, in a cocktail. But I think that's something I'm just going to have to get over in the course of making this show. All right. Well, that was the, uh, that's the spritzer. Spritzer wine spritzer. That was good. We got to think, what are we going to have next time? Next week is our anniversary show, you know. No, it's not. Yeah. Oh, maybe we'll just have favorites. I don't know. I don't know. We got to plan out. We got to spend some time on next week's show. We do. Yeah. Hey, want to talk about our movies? Sure. So Kate and I like to watch some movies and talk to you about them. We're currently watching movies that were number one or close thereabouts at some point during our lifetime, but that for other reasons have been forgotten or slipped off the radar. What did we watch this week, Kate? We watched Stephen King's Sleepwalkers From this week. 1992, yes. I And man, everybody in it is dressed like 94. it's 1992. 94. Are you sure? Yeah. It's so my sure, I'd say. Uh, okay. Let me look that up, because I was pretty sure it was 1992. And the reason that I was well, confident that it was 1992... Twin Peaks? Yeah, because you have someone whose only claim to fame prior to this was that she was on Twin Peaks uh, trying to carry a movie, or being asked to carry a movie. And in her defense, she was among the more charming things in the movie. Oh, yeah. A movie that was largely charmless. You you give us the plot details, I will, I will f- add the flourishes. Absolutely. So the movie starts on a high-tension note as uh, the word sleepwalkers appears on the screen, and then cat claws tear across the word sleepwalkers... And for reasons not apparent to me, uh, both at the beginning and sadly by the end of the movie, <laughs> cat claws cause things to burst, thing, burst into flesh. 
or so glow. It was burning, flaming claws slashing the word sleepwalkers, which is succeeded by a montage of writings about cats and people throughout history with the implication that cats and men have interbred at some point throughout history. They're sort of really kind of not terribly impressively done fakes etchings of a woman nursing a cat baby and books about ancient Egyptian and some Egyptian hieroglyph glyphs people who are part cats family photos where some of the people are cats and some of the people are it's like we get it I miss that they were like little vanity pictures yeah maybe you were looking at your phone I was probably typing up what the fuck is going on with this movie (laughs) so it starts off in I didn't have a phone yesterday okay (laughs) Kiss my ass. Starts off someplace in California where there's been some sort of uh, terrible murder. Cops are investigating. There are dozens of cat carcasses hung outside of the house as some sort of ward, I guess. They find a dead body uh, as they open a closet and a cat leaps out in a really unimpressive uh, (laughs) sort of tossing of some sort of ball of fur out of a closet. A uh, body falls out and it's a... Uh, withered husk of a carcass with a rose in her hair and braces on, uh, at which point the cops say, Jesus, it's a little girl. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, anyhow, so uh, they, they conclude that the they, they put an APB out for the pa- the people who had been renting the house, which were a mother and son combination. Yeah. Uh, then we go through the titles. We come in on some town in Illinois. What was the name of the town? Uh, any town, USA. No, some town in Illinois, Indiana. again and this kid is sitting at a desk and we get this sort of reasonably slow uh, dolly in on him sitting shirtlessly and reading a comic book at a desk just sort of uh, looking at the comic book but then he turns and looks at a yearbook and uh, looks at a girl in the book and stabs himself in the arm Mm -hmm. and draws blood out of his arm and then just says (sighs) Tanya and we should cut to a picture of the girl in the book, and she is Tanya. It's never, by the way, at all explained why he is cutting his arm and bleeding and saying the girl's name. I'm assuming that it was some sort of ritual, but that was not explained. No, it was not. No. The yard has a bunch of cat traps out in it, which like I didn't even traps, know was a bear thing. Traps, They're basically. like really tiny bear traps. <laughs> The house, these people are terrified of cats, which uh, it comes to, we learn later, they are some sort of uh, monsters that are terrified of cats, but we'll get into that. He and his mother talk about the new girl that he's obsessed with, and mother asks him really creepy probing, creepy in quotation marks, probing questions like, is she a good girl? Is she worthy? And all the while they're doing this, they're slow dancing, and they slow dance for what, like... Like 10 minutes? Yeah, probably. Something like that? Yeah. Uh, around the kitchen, just doing dialogue. As though, like, we could make the dialogue more exciting by adding the creepy layer of slow dancing to it. Yeah. Uh, and she's wearing a bathrobe. And right. her hair is, like, super long, like, almost to her butt, so it's whooshing around. Then they go upstairs and make out and have sex, we assume, uh, because we then cut to a shot from the cat point of view in the yard where a kitty cat is looking up at the window in the house and we see a big purple glow coming out of the window. Because so they are, that's what happens. They are doing some sort of purple sex, mm-hmm. which I am not as, uh, you know, you and your hookup generation, Kate, <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe you guys are into purple sex. I was not familiar with this practice. This is from 92. This is like your generation. Well, but maybe they were on the Vanguard or something. Also, I think we forgot to mention that uh, the the male lead is played by Brian Krause. Uh, 
But like, who is the guy? Is he? Do we know him from something? I don't know, but I'm I don't just know. Saying. He's a, yeah. The the mom is the Borg queen. Yeah, basically. And the girl is Shelley Johnson from, from Twin, Twin Peaks. Peaks. Uh, and and she's the most charming. Well, she's the sec- uh, she's my second favorite character in the movie. <laughs> yes. So meanwhile, we cut to the marquee of a local movie theater where there are no people on the streets, which becomes a motif of this movie. Outside of the actors that they paid to be in the movie, there's no there extras. are no extras in this movie, like, and at all. I mean, every location is clearly like the lot. Like mm-hmm. the, the, the whatever this was, whatever studio shot this back lot. It's clearly California because they make no effort to hide the fact that despite the town being ostensibly in o- Illinois or Ohio, there are giant scrub covered Sierra Nevada like mountains yeah. in the background of almost every shot. And every grass is brown like and brown dirt. sage. Yeah. It's another one of these movies made by sort of hacky people in Hollywood who have never been anywhere but California. So, you know, it's the same kind of thing where you see in a, a movie people say, um, if a movie is supposed to take place like on the East Coast or in the Midwest, but people will say, we've got to go get out on the I-35, right? Oh, but right, that is yeah. purely a West Coast idiom the, using the definite the article I-40. in front of an interstate. Nobody outside of the east uh, of the West Coast. Yeah, I don't say I'm going to take the I-40. The Route 66. Or the 40. Yeah. It's, I take, I'm taking I-40. Yeah, right. I'm taking 40. And that is pretty much exclusively a West Coast thing. But because we make movies and TV there... Like all the movies and TV go out with this absurd regionalism masquerading as something that everybody else in in the country says. Right. Much like that. I don't think these people even considered the fact that it's not likely that there are these giant scrub covered mountains in the middle of Illinois. Yeah. Well, Uh, anyhow, we cut to a marquee of a local theater uh, where there are no patrons and there are two employees and the second employee exists only to be the boss of Shelly Johnson from Twin Peaks. Who is uh, is dancing and cleaning. And they don't even like have real movie names on the marquee. Did you notice that? Yeah, it was something it was like, like they fangs. bite, they bite yeah. and scream dreams. Yeah, yeah, it's like whatever. Which are probably also novellas that Stephen King has I written. Don't, I don't think so. But then, uh, so after what a good six, seven minutes of the mom and the son dancing before having sex, then we get another three or so minutes of Shelley Johnson dancing with her floor brush, mm-hmm. as she is some sort of usherette, which I. Don't think they had any more in 92, but maybe they had usherettes by the, still back then. But she is cleaning up and dancing to the contours, uh, Do You Love Me? Do you love me? Uh, I can mash potato. Do you love me? Uh, anyhow, so, and then he sneaks up behind her. By the way, not having been a patron of the movie theater. I don't, yeah, and but, says, like, he's just in the movie theater yeah. all of a sudden, like, I want some popcorn. And then they do what is apparently supposed to be a meet cute, but... It's weird. Like, if I were working in the movie theater and, like, there was nobody else there and this guy, who, by the way, I didn't know and only recognized from the one day in class that he had been there because she says, you're the new boy. Right. So they play it off, like, even though she says, you're the new new boy, they play it off like they've known each other for a while. And he, she's just sitting there. He surprises her and she's like, oh, Ricky, you know, like almost as if they knew each other, but they didn't. And the rest of their conversation plays off the same way. Like, hey, isn't school drag? Have some free popcorn on me, you yeah. know? Also, how did he get in? What movie was he seeing? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, and if the implication how is that he used he some of his- How did he know where she worked? If the implication is that he was using some sort of- of his supernatural sleepwalker. They didn't like tease it that way. He was yeah. just like there. Yeah. So, yeah. So then he tells her that he is from the most shitty fake name sounding, sounding fake town in the history of motion pictures, which was Paradise Falls, Ohio. Hey, get it? Paradise Falls. Fa- it was like Paradise Falls, 
Paradise Falls, Ohio. I thought he was just talking so about Parad- water, waterfalls. No. Paradise. He get it? It's like Paradise Falls. It's like heaven. It's like paradise. It's like it has a double-ish meaning. Did you know that the Spanish word for waterfall is Riviera? It is. I I, I did know that. Uh, yeah. That is a very – that is a true fact. Uh, yeah. The, and the Riviera was actually named for uh, Queen Riviera. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he tells her that he's from the completely real town of Paradise Falls, Ohio. Uh, and then she is picked up by her dad, who is Ferris Bueller's dad. Also, her mom is Ferris Bueller's mom, uh, which leads me and Kate and I sort of went off on a little bit of a fantasia here in the middle of the movie to think, you know, maybe this movie takes place in the Bueller verse. <laughs> and like <laughs> – and, like, she is Ferris Bueller's much, much younger sister. And then after all the shenanigans in the movie took place in 86 or whatever, that the family you know, pulled up stakes. He had a younger sister that we never saw that wasn't played by Jennifer Grey. And they moved to uh, Scrubbrush, Illinois. And, and he went star- off to college. Right. He went off to college, so we don't have to mention her anymore. To start, to start a new frat where he teaches all the the dorks how to party. Well, yeah. I mean, but he is, a, you know, Ferris Bueller... Did you not watch the movie? Everybody likes him. I haven't seen the Dweebs, movie. Dweebs, spazos, jocks, nerds. They all like him. So both of Ferris Bueller's parents uh, pick him up, I guess. And, and then, so as they drive away, he is standing on the street, i.e. the st- studio street, the back lot street. And again, he looks at her car as she drives off and just goes, uh, Tanya. No, 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 no. He doesn't say it like that. First of all, he's also kind of in the bushes at this point. <laughs> he's in the bushes, like peering out from her in the street and goes, Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> like it's very like. <sighs> and he hops in his incredibly uh, rapey blue Pontiac yeah. uh, to drive home, at which point he gets home and the uh, animal control deputy is de- dealing with his mother and has trapped a cat in a sack. Mm-hmm. And this is another example of this movie's like attempt at weird banter that makes no sense. They have like they have like jokey dialogue that isn't it's you know there's that one episode of The Simpsons where the guy refers to something as an enigmatic half joke, and that's what a lot of the dialogue in this is. So there's there's an animal control officer there, and the mother says, "I'm really sorry to call you out so late, but my allergies are very severe." And the animal control guy says, "Yeah, I got one too, the IRS." <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Thanks, Stephen King. That's okay. Yeah, none of us, we don't like paying taxes. That's yeah. like a thing, but you know, you kind of have to do it because the government will shut. And also, by the way, he's a civil servant. Why is he bitching about paying his taxes? I don't know. Anyhow. The point is, homeboy asks her out on a date, right? The next day at school. Well, no, no, no. Okay, so okay, mom sorry. then, as he comes in, he, mom asks her again, is she clean? Is she clean? Which I'm given to understand means is she virginal? Yeah. Next day at school, we confirm that fact as she is talking to her more highly sexed classmates about how she's just ever so eager to enjoy the company of a gentleman. He tells us, then we go to her English class, led by the dead guy who was in all those Tim Burton movies. Uh, Glenn Shaddix? I I think that, that might be his name, yeah. It's his English class, and he's reading a story that he has written, a completely fictitious story about... 
creatures called sleepwalkers that were the enemies of cats and that were driven from town to town because they were misunderstood. And the mother and son in the story had to run from town to town. And it was totally not a story about him and his mother. And the teacher starts giving him a little bit of guff, but Shelley Johnson from Twin Peaks stands up for him and says, I really like the story. I understood what they were feeling because I feel like an outsider a lot too. Which yeah. we'd given, had no evidence that she felt like that except and for, given that all we've seen her do is dance with a broom. He's like reading. And he keeps glancing over her at her, like, kind of like with this look. He's like, bitches love stories. <laughs> I'm going to write a story. <laughs> like, bitches love loneliness. I'm going to write a story about loneliness. <laughs> and that's basically the whole sum of their action, of their interaction. In and the then classroom. they get a lot of, um, they do, a, like, more shitty banter. And you know, she's like, sometimes I feel different. Like those, what did you call them? Sleepwalkers. Stephen King's sleepwalkers. <laughs> uh, and then there's more half-ass banter. Like, he jumps into the car because it's got a cool eye top. And she's like, you know, some people use a door, mister. And it's just really, yeah. really half-assed. So they make their date for, the, for a few No, no, no. Like, then they go days. back to the house and she has to hide her underwear. Oh, from right, him. right, because it's, like, on the floor. And, and it was on the mantle, right. Oh, uh, right. And it's like, why would a guy be, like... But we established that she takes photographs. Yes. Her other... Her personality traits are, I like dancing with floor brushes. Bad boys. And I like taking photographs. And I am a virgin. Well, that's not really... It's virgin a pro- personality trait? It is in this movie. Anyhow, so... It is. <laughs> Wish it weren't, but it is. Oh, wait, we forgot to mention, the teacher's name is apparently Mr. Phallus. <laughs> Trying to get to that point. Is T's character's name? Is, like, did we look that up on IMDb? <laughs> I am now. The character's name was Mr. Phallus. So he's driving home next day from something or other. I forget. What was he driving home from? School. And yeah, and the, the, the teacher chases him down and says, I know you're a fake. You're a liar and a fake. There's no Paradise Falls, Ohio. Your transcripts are a fake. And I don't know who you are, but you're not who you say you are. Which, let's investigate this for a second. This teacher has probably had this guy in his class for like, what, a oh, day? No, he said it was, yeah, one Two day. Days. Why would you go out of your way as a teacher? Right. I thought it was going to be something like he was part of the ancient and honorable society of sleepwalker hunters. Yeah. But he's just a teacher who like chases the guy down. No, Glenn Shaddix plays Mr. Fallows. Okay, that's a little better. <laughs> Not much. But the teacher, like, he doesn't go, like, he doesn't call the guy's mom. Like, let's examine the decision tree if you suspect that this kid's stuff is not, you know, you could go to the principal and say, eh, you might, as someone whose job it is, you might want to check this out because it's not my, you know, I teach anybody. Because by the way, they teach everybody. They'll teach illegal immigrants who have, you know, they say their name is Rod Johnson. The teacher doesn't care. Why? But this teacher takes it upon himself to, in a high-speed chase, run this kid down. After one day. After one day in school and then, like, proceeds to try and shake him down, right? Kind of. And right, like, he hey. wanted money or something, didn't he? No, I think he was just kind of like, you need to watch yourself, mister. I'm going right. to report you to the police, blah, 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 blah. Right. And then. Which, then, young, what is his name, Billy? That's the actor's name. Yeah. Whatever the character's name is, Young Steve Billy. Sleepwalker. Let's call him Young Billy Sleepwalker. Sleepwalker says, pulls a guy's hand off. Yeah, says something like, <laughs> "You need to watch yourself," and then like turns into a cat person. Like he does this weird sort of shitty morph, and apparently this is one of the first movies that used morphing effects. And then, so all of a sudden, he just bites off Glenn Shaddix's hand. No, like, he pulls it off. Oh, I thought he, he just did. pulled it off with his arm. I think he said something like, "Hey, you better be careful." Where you, you better put watch your, your hand, hands. hands. Yeah. Here it is, and hands back the severed hand to Glenn Shaddix, who goes, oh, 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 
and then he's running through the woods. He like runs, starts, runs the woods. away. And then he had the only joke in the movie that I laughed at at all, whereas he's running away from this kid who's chasing him down, and at one point he just turns around and goes, I'm sorry. <laughs> Eventually, he trips over a root or something, falls in a creek, which allows. Well, he, no, he hits his head on a tree, yeah. and then and then, and then uh, Steve Sleepwalker, Billy Sleep, young Billy Sleepwalker, like jumps on him and sort of rolls his face around on his neck, and yeah. it's meant to look like he's eating his neck, but there's like no blood or special and then you effects cut to or anything. A shot where there's like blood coming, but out it's of like this. Yeah. And the director does a lot of this. There's a lot of Dutch angles in this movie and a lot of, like, uh, cameras moving wildly on the axis. Like, yeah, like upside down. Upside while, down While and the stuff. actors are rolling or spinning. Or spinning from above, yeah. right. And it's like, whoa, if we spin, you won't notice there's not actually any special effects in this shot. We won't notice that it's just, like, basically a guy Frenching another dude. Yeah. So at one point during the battle, I think Glenn Shaddix, like, scratches his wrist or something, like, in self-defense tries. Maybe, yeah. So uh, anyway, he's still dies billy uh sleepwalker returns home in a panic because he's like you know i've killed the teacher they're gonna find him no 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 no, no. this is where he gets the car the car race in the car car chase well this was oh yeah you're right right after that so he comes out of the woods and there's a cop drive <laughs> there's a cop <laughs> like sort of a sassy good old boy black guy cop <laughs> who's cruising <laughs> along who's cruising along <laughs> with a cat on his uh on his passenger seat. apparently like <laughs> The department is so spread thin that cops now have cat partners. He's a police cat. He's like a police cat. What's his name? Clovis. Clovis, right. Clovis, who is our favorite character in the movie by a mile. So the cop is just pulled over on the side of the road, like just And he does one of these things that like co- cops in really shitty movies do, which is to like talk to themselves all the time and like right. sing weird little stuff like, I'm going to get your bird if I'm driving. And like that. at the time we were introduced to him, he has like a feather on a stick and he's moving it around and Clovis is chasing it because that's all he apparently can do when right, in his time. He's just sitting there with Clovis in his car. You Billy cat person zips, zips by. by like super fast so he goes oh shit and then like they, they do this high right. speed car chase at which point Josh went to pee and when he came back it was all over oh, no 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 okay so first of all no you're missing lots of important parts okay so guys first of all like what do you got in there a supercharger uh, and and he's, he drives off but then they come up parallel to uh, young Billy sleepwalker and Clovis is looking out the window as they're passing Billy Sleepwalker on the side. And Billy Sleepwalker looks over at Clovis and makes like a succession of morphed faces oh, into like, he's like, one of them is like a cat. One of them is like a baby. One of them is like E.T. One of them is like some weird homunculus. But they're all like in succession. And it's really cheesy and terrifying. I'm going to put the gif Yeah, the, the, the gif is the only explanation. You have to look at the show notes. But uh, so, the, and the cat like freaks out and hisses at him. So then, so then he, he sort of pulls, speeds off. Uh, past the police officer and pulls into a little dirt road and apparently can make his car invisible, which for the first, th- you know, that would have been a useful talent, I would have guessed, in California. It's not that um he can make his car invisible. He can, he and his mother, as is, is explained later in the movie, can like do this weird illusionary power where they can make anything invisible. When was invisible. it explained? It wasn't, but it comes back up. Okay, yeah, because that's not an explanation. Anyhow, no. he makes his car invisible and they're driving around and Officer... Uh, I don't know what the officer's name was. I can't remember. Uh, he was like the only. He was another one of the only likable people in the book in the movie. Although he was kind of like crazy because he talked to himself and his cat all the time. But is sort of driving around looking for him. But he's invisible. But Clovis, we see. We cut to a Clovis eye point of view, and Clovis can see 
the guy's car and the cat. And the guy. So and, it turns out that cats can see them when they are invisible. Yeah, and Billy, uh, stranger person, <laughs> stares back at the cat and kind of gives says, him a space like. And says, stop looking at me. Stop looking at me, you fucking cat. <laughs> He's really angry. Stop looking at me, you fucking cat. (laughs) He's also, like, panicked. Like, the cat is going to suddenly develop the ability to speak and be like, excuse me, officer, I think there's something over there. Right, like, cat's just being a cat. cat, cat, Like, cats don't just wander around and hiss at random shit anyway. It's not like Lassie. Lassie would never have been a cat, because if Lassie had come home from that well and been like... Nobody would have said, what? Oh, there's something wrong with Timmy. They're oh. like, the fucking cat is doing something fucking crazy again. Uh, Clovis, <laughs> Clovis is a tabby cat. I just feel the need to right. Clovis is it. pretty wonderful. Yeah. So anyhow, Clovis is hissing, but, you know. So they get back to the police station, and the cop is like, man, I don't know what. But I didn't, he didn't have no face. Yeah. I looked at him, and he didn't have no face. And then his car just disappeared. So then... Uh, meanwhile, mom is back at home waiting with a bunch of candles because I think Billy missed dance time again. <laughs> That's all she does. She just sits around at home in a bathrobe. Sits around, she sits around uh, with, with with candles in a bathrobe, and then there's dancing. Yeah. And talking to about that song. Cats. What so is then that she song? has a big slap fight with the kid for hanging out with the girl. Mm-hmm. And then we cut about to outside, and there's more cats milling about outside. So we're meant to understand that she can't leave the house because of the cats. Okay. And this is where I want to get. Uh, I want to I want to address the cat <laughs> issue in this okay. movie because I think the movie has a lot of issues, but I think central to the issue is uh, central to this movie's problem is that uh, I- cats are not scary. No. Like not, you know, if a monster, if his weakness is cat, there's like cats everywhere. That's that. You know what the monster is? That monster is a mouse. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we have monsters whose only weakness is cats. It's you know what? If she wanted to get rid of cats, there are like a million dogs at the dog pound that you know, boom, cat problem taken right. care well, of. I also don't think it was because she couldn't leave the house because he can leave the house and they're like the same. Yeah, but I think she was so terrified she of the cats. She was weak. They made a point of pointing out oh, that that's she's right. so weak and she's so My hungry. Point being, you know, cats are not. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah. No, I know. I mean, in fact, one of the reasons that I have a cat. Is that, you know, you know my rule on, on pets. No. I don't want to have a pet that, you know, like if they go crazy, I can't kill it. That's an interesting way to look at it. Well, I'm just saying, like, I want to know that in a, in a tense situation, not kill it, because, you, know, you know, I'm not going to kill a cat. But, like, that I couldn't take it. That I couldn't in some way safely uh, seclude myself, sequester myself, or prevent the cat from exacting violence on me. Right. And I am a timid fellow. So if I can do it, I think that these uh, space purple fucking dance monsters can do it. Well, here's the thing. It's like they're played off in the movie as being like these weird were cats, like people who can turn into cats. But they're not because it, it's not that they're people who turn into cats, like a, a man turns into a wolf who is a werewolf. They're like cat people. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I don't it's think like, it's worth it's like, parsing it, No, no, no. It's like, it's like someone who is their height and like is has a cat-like face, but they're also not cat people. They're like giant flesh molds. Right, with and then like, they end up looking like, like... Okay, like have you seen... You haven't seen this, but the episode of Get a Life, the Chris Elliott sitcom, where it's the E.T. episode, but he has an alien called Spewy that all it does is projectile vomit all the time. They look like Spewy. To me, they look like Bosk from Star Wars. Well, then Wars. later they look like Bosk because they have like a lizardy face. Yeah. Yeah. It's really strange. I'm going to so find then, a screen cap. So then she comes over to the house the next day, 
the girl. Yeah. And there's supposed to be like tension because they're going to go on a date out to uh, what's the name of the graveyard? Because we haven't oh. found out it's a graveyard. Oh, yet. I don't know. But it's like Hill Valley or something. Except it's not Hill Valley. They're going to go out to a graveyard to take photos. Right. Because uh, her mom does graveyard rubbings. And she's a photographer. Right. They go to the graveyard in a scene that has absolutely zero tension because it takes place in the middle of the day. We've... In Santa Barbara. You're right. <laughs> It's like they have all this sort of tense music going on, but it's like, I don't, why would she be in, first of all, why would she be in danger? Because the boy has not shown himself to be like an angry, violent person up to this point. You know, he's been like, up to this point, it looked like the movie was going to be the tension between his duty to his mother and his love for the girl. Which would have been a better movie. Okay. So it looked like that was going to be the tension. But then they get to the graveyard and and all of a sudden he just flips out and starts to try and fucking like. Suck purple spirit out of her mouth. So they start making out, and it's cute. And then he starts like they're they're cute. Like it's 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 an enjoyable thing that's going on. And then all and the sudden, camera rolls. Oh god! So yeah, they start rolling around on the ground, like you know, like all sexily. And, again, in the and as they director's roll, favorite the camera trick, rolls. The camera rolls so it's with like, them. ah, what's happening? So they are making out, and then all of a sudden he gives this. He opens his eyes and looks at the camera, and gets this like squint in his eye, and then you can see that his lips like purse a little bit and then all of a sudden she opens her eyes and is like oh no and then he like pulls away and he's like sucking out purple right. lightning from right. he's her, sucking from her purple body. more purple juice and she's like her. what are you doing stop and he's, and he's like, like it doesn't have to hurt and then he flips Get, hey, by the way did, i don't know if you noticed that but that was like kind of a sex metaphor so she's a virgin, which we've established. Get it? It doesn't why. have to hurt. Yes, I get it. And so then he just... But he was talking about the purple thing, but he could have been talking about virgin sex. So then they're making out. They're not and... making out. He's fucking graveyard raping her. Yeah, so he's like sucking purple stuff out of her mouth, and she starts spazzing out, understandably. I mean, we've all been there. And um... <laughs> then she like knocks him out, right? She like punches him, yeah, so and he she... knocks out. So she takes her camera, I think, right, and, and hits, hits him, him in the over face. the head. And he, and he conks him out. And he's bleeding. And she's walking away. She's like, finally, she's safe. And then for no reason whatsoever, she, turns, back she around. turns around and like walks back over to the guy who just tried to purple mouth juice grave raper. <laughs> and he's like, Billy, are you okay? At which point, of course, his eyes pop open he's all like, at once. <laughs> and he grabs and he her ankle. And for the rest of the movie, he's Freddy Krueger. Like he turns into like a cackling, jokey or yeah. horror movie villain, which he hadn't been at all. But like every line he has for the rest of the movie is like just a shitty like, I'm going to stab you in the face. Like stupid it joke. It doesn't have to hurt. Right. So, he stabs a cop with a, the cop with a pencil. Well, we're gonna get yeah, there. the we're cop gonna shows get up. So Clo- she Clovis so and- she like knees him in the balls and runs away. She gets to the road and then at that point Clovis and good old cop are driving by and they stop cuz she's like bloody and is going Help. and uh, so he gets out and he's like, "Ma'am, what's up?" And then he looks over and notices that the car that they came in is the same car. Right, cuz it has he drove her they drove in as a, a red convertible, but, but because he was using his magic invisible powers. And he powers. was hit in the face. It is faded to back to blue Pontiac. So cop looks over and sees that it's the same car that he's chasing and goes, ha ha. And then he's like, oh, don't worry, honey, I'll protect you. She gets in the car and then Billy Shadowface comes out of the Pops woods up. Yeah. And has a pencil. It's a or, pencil. He grabs a, a pencil from the cop, I think, who's like writing something up. And, and then stabs, stabs him through the side the of the ear, head. And says, the ear. ha 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 ha, cop kebab. Which again is meant to be a joke. Oh, also he has a cat face at this point. Right. He has like a weird like wear cat face where his nose is all pointy and his eyes are like orange and yeah. Not, I mean orange yellow. And so at that point, homegirl starts freaking out and she's like, "Oh my god, what are you gonna do?" Cue 
Cut to Clovis. <laughs> right. Clovis sees him and starts hissing and starts hissing. Then the window happens to be the window on happens the to be open. Car. Clovis leaps out of the window of the car onto the guy's neck. And again, this wasn't the best effect of the world. So little Billy, little Billy Sleepwalker is just like clutching what is clearly a doll Stuffed animal, neck yeah. And like rolling around. While on the soundtrack, there are all sorts of... Going on. So eventually he, he tears Clovis. Oh, oh that, and he says, my face is so hot for some fucking reason. So he tears Clovis from his neck, flings the cat away, gets in his car, which is still blue, and uh, drives away. Is this where she time, stabbed his eye out? No, that's later. Okay, that's I think, later. I think that's later. Homegirl looks at him driving away and goes, kind of gives this look like, his car didn't look like that. Right. And then... Gets presumably gets Clovis back into the car and goes home because she she files a police report. Right, and the police come after him. He's all beat all to hell and uh, goes back home. Apparently, like cat bites infect not infect them, but they're like apparently maybe they set them on fire. They're super, <laughs> they're super like infectious or whatever because he doesn't heal and he's got like these weird like sores, sores and gross and, and he's yeah. melting. Right. Yeah. So he comes home to his mom and his mom's like, "What happened?" And then puts him on the couch. Right. And at this point, the cops are after them and also the cats. Which also, again, why, if you lived in this town, why wouldn't you just make your entire police force cats? If cats <laughs> can deal with problems that the cops can't, clearly, why don't you just have Officer Cat? So a bunch of cops show up at her place, including Cat Police. Ron That's Perlman. Right? That could be a summer replacement for Paw Patrol. Cat, cat Police. Police is a reality TV yeah. show. But they could be really like Cat X Files. Oh. Yeah. All right. Let's work on that and pitch and, it. Yeah. So they show up. Inspector Pussy. While oh. she's she's like. <laughs> Inspector played, Pussy? I don't even know. <laughs> played by Bing Rames. Um, <laughs> Inspector Pussy has a problem with drugs. Specifically catnip. <laughs> That's his character. <laughs> so um, he comes home and she tries. His mom tries to clean off the wounds, but they're like not responding to right. like. And she hears the cops outside. Because they're like all pussy and gross. So she uses her illusion powers. Inspector pussy. To get him. Like he's laying on the couch and she's like, try and, what was it like, whatever the name of their power, like try and dip for me or something like that. I don't know. And he tries to go invisible, but he can't because he's too hurt. So she dim. Dim. So she transfers her dimness onto him right as the cops open the door. Also, again, if you could go invisible, why weren't you just going invisible all the time? Like, you didn't even need to enroll in school. If all he needed to do was to go get a person to eat for his mom to get strong, boom, invisible into the hospital, eat somebody, mom's good to go. Another thing I didn't understand is if it's virgins, is it just girl virgins? Because I feel like she could go out and seduce a boy. Yeah, she's pretty sexy. Much quicker than it takes young doofus to do that. Yeah, I don't or know. Even the hell, mythos even is a girl. not terribly clear. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. So anyhow, they she uh, sort of uses the transitive property of in, of invisible, and the cops bur- burst into the house, but don't see her because they are both invisible. Which, by the way, also Ron Perlman is now in this movie and didn't show up until the third act. Plays like kind of a bumbling lieutenant or whatever. Right. Which also, by the way, given Ron Perlman's face, I thought for sure he was going to be secretly like one of the cat people because you know right. he has a cat face. Yeah. That's why he was Beast on Beauty and the Beast. Right. So they invest. They're kind of like, well, these people are shady, and then they kind of make a comment about what's up with all the cats in the yard, and then they leave. Right. And they go to uh, her place. 
Or, right. Yeah. And they sort of, she, it's clear she's going to be protected. They got a deputy in the house to look after her. She asked the deputy, or when he comes, they, she asked one of the cops to bring Clovis to her mm-hmm. because Clovis is her new best friend, which Me, why yeah. wouldn't he be? Right. Meanwhile, mom has made her way over to the house and knocks on the door, pushes mom aside, uh, pushes one of the deputies down. Kills the dad. Kills the dad and uh, is after the girl. Stabs uh, another cop in the well, back with a corn well, you, cusk. You, you, you gotta build to that. <laughs> First of all, she's out in the yard, right? And there's two cops who, like, think they hear her. They go, well, I didn't hear anything. And then she just pops up behind them and, like, conks their head together like coconuts. Mm-hmm. And, like, apparently that's a death move now. If you just conk two people's head because they just fall over dead. Mm-hmm. And then, so she makes it in the house and, uh, yeah... <laughs> In the least plausible screen murder that I've seen in some time, a man is stabbed to death in the back with a cob of corn. As she yells, mother says, eat your vegetables Yeah, or mother, something. you got mother. And I really, I wanted, Kate refused to comply with my request that we do this. <laughs> but I really wanted today to try to go to, I wanted to go to the store and I wanted to get some corn. And I wanted to boil it up. And I wanted Kate to try to murder me. <laughs> With a cup, because I don't think you could. I don't think as much as you try, you could. You could kill like, me with a cob of corn. First glance, I thought, oh well, she must have stabbed him with the little corn picker things. But I was like, wait a no, minute, those would be facing in. Exactly, they would be facing in. And even if she had just picked somehow, if she had some kind of, if they had some kind of weird double sized corn thingies, that would only be like an inch deep. Like that yeah, wouldn't kill you. That would not. And kill this you. guy goes. This <gasps> guy just gets like a whole. He's like instantly dead. <gasps> From cold. Maybe he, he was like over. allergic to niacin or something. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, so at this point, homegirl. Who's also, again, why wouldn't you just invisible into the house and kill her that way? Or why couldn't she have left? This is the first time we've seen her leave the house the whole movie. Why wasn't she leaving the house? Right. Because Maybe she finally figured out day. she could get a dog. So homegirl, not not the mom, but. Shelly Johnson from Twin Peaks. Shelly Johnson from Twin Peaks has been taking a bath to recover from her horrible mm-hmm. ordeal. And in a really nice bathtub. In a very nice bathtub, but then she also happens to come downstairs wearing only an oversized pink t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And is like, Daddy? And then she sees her dad at the foot of the stairs who's been conked out. And she's like, Daddy, Mom! And then that mm-hmm. is when Mrs. Shadow Walker attacks her. Oh, right. They go back to the house. She grabs her and takes her back to the house. That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, and then... Uh, Ron Perlman tries to get them at the house, and she kills Ron Perlman in some fashion. Uh, she bites his fingers off. Right, she bites his fucking fingers off. And uh, at this point, she gets him back, because I guess he has to take her, the chick's innocence. Like, I guess that's, like, part of the, the setup. That's what has to happen. And so, It was never adequately explained to me. And so, it, she, like, he reanimates kind of as this cat like swelled zombie thing because he is infected by the cat bites from Clovis. Right. He's like basically dead. And he starts but dancing she's like, with you her. You gotta dance, you gotta dance. So Which is for hilarious. the fourth dance scene in this not ostensibly dance movie, they, they are uh, dancing together and uh and he tries to uh, purple suck Tanya but then she pokes his eyes out. She pokes his eyes out. At that time, all of the cats that had been rallying around the house, led by Clovis, <laughs> no lie, Clovis shows up and leads the charge into their house where they all attack the shadow walkers. Oh, wait, no. Wasn't Ron Perlman the one who got impaled on the fence? No, fingers. Pretty sure. Okay. But I mean, I, that wouldn't kill you. Somebody gets impaled, spiked on their Someone fence, got too. stabbed with corn in the back and that killed them. Also, this, okay, so, and then that's the end of the movie, uh, leaving with Tanya and Clovis. Uh, and, so, you know, the two likable characters in the movie lived. Uh, yeah. Outside of uh, Officer, uh, he looked like a football player. He looked like Jim Brown, to yeah. be honest. He looked so, like Officer Jim Brown. I cannot emphasize enough the 
importance of just random shots of cats, and then you have them running around throughout the house and yeah. attacking. It's just the, point, so after the, the effort that this movie makes to convince us that like the cats are a real menace, or that they're intelligent and right. like they just know, like you know how in some horror movies cats can be very effective. Like an alien, Jonesy is very effective as like this. Well, as you know, bait or is as a, a bait, a but as like a harbinger right. of what is going to happen. But he's not a character. He just hisses and runs off, and you know that something bad is going to happen. This is like hordes and hordes of cats. And while Clovis was very easily my favorite character, because by the way, Tanya and Clovis end up together in the end. She right. adopts him, takes him home. Just what? Like it? it yeah. Just... And then we get an Enya song, and the movie ends. Oh yeah, and then the end. The uh, end. <laughs> so the only other thing that I wanted to mention about this movie yeah. is the number of uh, a list. Uh, Hollywood horror movie directors who had cameos in it. Yeah. Because you have uh, John Landis Mm -hmm. in a random scene. Uh, You have Tobe Hooper. Yeah. You have Stephen Stephen King King himself. himself, Right. Playing a a graveyard caretaker. (laughs) And Clive Barker apparently was in there somewhere. Right. Joe Dante was in it. I totally missed Clive Barker. Yeah. I saw John Landis because, like, how can you not? How can you miss John Landis, right? He's got that beard and he... So, yeah. He's like chomping a donut. Do you think this was the worst movie that we've seen? I think so. I still think Death Wish 3 might have been worse. Nope. The only reason that I would posit Death Wish 3 might have been worse is that its production values were comparably bad, mm. but it was more morally loathsome. See, this is where we're going to have to disagree because I didn't find Death Wish 3 as morally loathsome as you did. I think we can establish that if we go back to that podcast. This one yeah. was just a hot mess. Like, it made no sense. I laughed at more in this one than I did in Death Wish 3. Eh, I laughed a lot in Death <laughs> Wish 3. You laughed a while. These are both movies. Bug rapists. These are both movies that are enjoyably horrible. So that's one good thing about it. It's not like watching just something that's a slog. Um, it is. Yeah. Uh, if you want, you know, if you're the kind of person who wants to have horrible movie nights, you will not do wrong with Stephen King's Sleepwalkers. Or Death Wish 3. Or Death Wish 3. I want bodies on, on slabs, slabs in, in the, the morgue. morgue. All right. You want to go get another drink? Yeah. <laughs> Hey, all right, we're back. How's the uh, wine spritzer treating you? It's great. As always, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at on the emails at pntcast at gmail.com, on the internets at pntcast.wordpress.com, on Tumblr at pntcast.tumblr.com, on Facebook, where prefer not to, on iTunes and Stitcher, we would love reviews from you because that's some of the only interaction we get with folks. So... Also, tell a friend if you listen to the show. In the case that we don't have any letters from you guys, we pick a letter from someone else to somebody else. In this case, it's a letter from Clarence Peterson, career and planning advisor in the Academic and Career Planning Center at the University of South Dakota, to the students of said institution. And the headline of the letter is, this is to the student newspaper, the Volant at the University of South Dakota. Headline of the letter is, students fail to take advantage of career fair. To seniors, juniors, and others at USD, it is wonderful to see that the economy has turned around and that hardly any of USD's upcoming graduates need to find a job or internship. Hmm. That's the conclusion I'm drawing after the career fair that was held April 3rd in the Munster University Center Ballroom. Over 40 employers were in attendance, and less than 100 students showed up. Last October, we had an employer and graduate school fair with 80 companies and graduate schools where slightly more students showed up, about 200. Companies come to these events because they are interested in hiring USD graduates. An example. On Thursday, the mattress firm was at the career fair. 
They are a huge nationwide company, and the owner is a USD graduate. They came ready to hire. They were hiring manager trainees and trying to get an internship program started. The owner was here, and he brought three other store managers with him. They do not care what major a student has as long as they are motivated and ready to work. Mostly, they stood around and talked to each other and other recruiters and asked us where all the students were. There were 40 other companies in the ballroom asking the same question. How many upcoming graduates do we have on this campus? 1,200? How many students could use an internship? At least hundreds. There could easily have been a 1,000 or more students attending either of these fairs. These events were well advertised. Posters were posted and emails were sent. Departments and faculty were alerted. A whole week of activities featuring resume workshops, job search strategies, etc. preceded the fair last week. Why didn't more students turn out? The Academic and Career Planning Center tries to connect students with jobs and internships. But students and upcoming graduates need to meet us at least halfway. You need to put in the time and effort, and that means more than just surfing the net, looking for openings, and applying online. Take advantage of the events that are offered, and come out to meet possible employers and learn about companies and organizations that are out there. You might be pleasantly surprised by what spending a little face time with a recruiter could do for your career. And that sign sincerely disappointed Clarence Peterson, advisor, Academic and Career Planning Center. No. I know. As an unemployable, I am jealous of the people bending over backwards to get these recent graduates a job. Um, I'm kind of the opposite. And, I mean, okay, so when I, the only career fair that I ever went to, I was only given express information about one job, mm-hmm. and that was to be a security guard mm-hmm. at the campus that I mm-hmm. currently had atten- was attending at the time. You can name the school that you went to. So I feel like, I don't know, I mean, that was just my experience, but I also feel like offering uh, college grads positions at mm-hmm. a mattress firm might be a little belittling. Well, they were management jobs. It's better than nothing. It, it is, and I, I agree. To yeah, that. Yeah, you know, As someone who has worked in retail since they right. graduated college, exactly. I agree, but it's if that's so the, the only kind thing of... that was at the re- you know what that is that is a reflection of the different economies that you and I graduated in because when I was graduating yeah. in the mid nineteen nineties. It was like wall to wall, you know, McKinsey, KPMG, Pete Marwick, like big consulting firms and banks coming to recruit people yeah. nonstop, taking out ads in the paper for like half the semester to recruit kids. See, when I was doing and that. And I never went to one of them. What I'm saying is this person seems um, unnecessarily offended. He's a little passive aggressive. Yeah. About the positions yeah. that are available not, to students, okay, which funny. is more of a ref- Yeah, I think he's a little passive-aggressive. I think he's a little uh, a little spiteful towards the students, which is what struck me in the letter as First well. First of all, and also, college students are lazy. Like, they're not thinking about the future. You know what they I mean? They were when like, I was, you know, I think, here's what I learned from those, from the boom days of the late Clinton administration when I was graduating or, you know, close to graduating The college. boom days. <laughs> well, those were the boom days. That was America's last great hurrah in retrospect. Those were the... We should do a duet of that. We should come up with our own words, obviously. No, we but... shouldn't. We should sing the original song. <laughs> oh, the way Glenn Miller played. Songs that made the hit parade. Anyhow, I think what I learned from those college fairs was not necessarily that, at least when the when it was a buyer's market for, or a seller's market for labor, when it was back then, when there were way more jobs than there were qualified applicants to fill them, which is sort of an environment that is baffling to us now, is that... It does become sort of a self-selecting, self-fulfilling prophecy because, sure, those people who went to the job fairs were already going to get a good job. But the reason that they were going to get a good job is because they're the kind of people who went to job fairs. Who were looking, yeah. You know? Who had the motivation. It's sort of like a salvation by faith or salvation by works kind of thing, you know? (laughs) It's uh, 
they're the kind of person who is going to be saved, and that's why they do good things, not because it's going to save them in and of themselves. Do you know what I found outside of the store today? A Book of Mormon? A cartoon pamphlet about how you will go to hell. If was you it a Jack count, Chick? If you, yes, it was. Yeah. If you count on works alone, you will go to hell. Yeah, as the opposed Jack to Chick is very big on the Catholics are horrible. Bringing people I mean, that to That was, you know, um, in the late 90s in Christ. Chicago. That was also a big Jack Chick day. Prime Jack Chick period was the <laughs> but you know, you know what you want to find outside of a toy store? Dark dungeons? Uh, literature about how you're going to hell. <sighs> Anyhow, as always, it's been a great time spending time with you. Wine spits are treating you well still, Kate? Yep. Don't forget to send us a letter, like I said, and don't forget to tell a friend to listen to the show. Yep. As always, for Kate, I'm Josh. For Josh, I'm Kate. And we're really grateful that you chose to spend about an hour with us this week, and we hope you do so again. Yeah, thank you for listening so much. They're like cat people?